You're listening to Oisms, a weekly podcast in conversation with Lancaster citizens where you can meet the people you don't know, want to know, or know already. In this episode, we'll be talking about the reality of running a small business in Lancaster, fashion trends, family, and the future. Mark Brady. We're at OP Gallo Tuxedo in Lancaster, Ohio. He sells suits at the last tuck shop in Lancaster. He's also the father of five, otherwise known as the Lancaster's Brady Bunch, a coach of 17 years and a community mainstay. When we first started, uh, very humble means, did not own a lot of our own product, and we basically focused on tuxedo rentals, which is still the majority of our business and, and uh, probably the most viable part of the business as far as making money. Um, over the course of time, we have uh, ventured out into suit sales. We don't actually make custom suits, but we do retail suits. Uh, and that business has grown as other businesses in our community that used to do that has kind of went to the wayside or departed. Some of them have been corporate. Some of them have been small business. Uh, we also own a lot of our own rental products now. We're probably about 80% independent of using wholesalers or outside sources, uh, which once again helps us control the cost. So affordability is a key. I find in our community, uh, people are very value conscious. Uh, They'll pay for what they want, but they will shop around and and try to find the best value. And being in a small town, I genuinely just don't think we need to make as much as maybe I would if I was in a big metropolitan area. So yeah, we, uh, 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 we work with manufacturers that used to be a lot more, uh, once again, our, our business has changed quite a bit, or just the formalwear business, clothing business in general. When I first started this, you would get salesmen that would, would travel a lot more of the manufacturers had, people out on the road showing you the goods coming up, what what was going to be for, for next season. Like usually we would see them early fall for what we would be buying the next spring. Usually spring is when all the new fashions come out. Uh, most of them have kind of downsized that portion of their workforce. There's still uh, places in Chicago, Atlanta, you know, big apparel marts that you can go to, and they've accumulated all of the manufacturers. You could see them all at once. Being a smaller store and not having a huge open to buy, I typically will not go to those. Uh, it's really become more of me calling around to bigger stores and finding out, you know, what what they're looking at getting. What's so fascinating about Mr. Brady's shop is that he has to do everything and he follows the whole process. He has to be on top of trends, source suits, work with manufacturers, ship and order various sizes. Um, When you're at his store, customers will get fitted either by him or by his employees. And honestly, if you're in Lancaster and you're interested in getting into the fashion industry, he's really the go-to guy. His experience matches those that I've learned from my university. So other companies that I wholesale with, even though wholesale is not a huge part of our, uh, of our business, I'll usually rely more on them to figure out what we need to get in for the next year. That's sort of how our buying uh, has developed over the course of the years. I mean, I, I, I took textiles and clothing in school and the buying programs that, or how they taught us to buy in that is not how I do it. So I just, <laughs> it is valuable information, but uh, it has not become practical for what I do. So I find it peculiar being in the Midwest. A lot of times 
we're a year behind. If I if I talk to my dealers that I uh, or people that I use on the East Coast, not a lot of West Coast people just because of the transportation, but they always seem to be hitting trends, you know, a season ahead of us, which has become helpful because whatever they're doing this year, that's kind of what I'm looking to buy for next year. I mean, that's kind of when it'll hit us. Opie Gallo has a huge variety in styles. The store is just packed full of suits. Um, and you could get the classic black suit or a super slick red corduroy suit that makes you look like one of those old school cinema ushers. Uh, but there's this one suit called the Swagger, which is a metallic silver suit with super boxy shoulders. Uh, boys usually match this with like a black fedora. And he doesn't usually rent these so often, but definitely one of my personal favorites for all of the wrong reasons. Well, I'd, I'd never been self-employed before uh, I had worked here. I had uh, um, worked for a, uh, well, they had a local store. They were a regional chain of men's stores. Uh, was my first experience in men's clothing. Uh, it was called Robert's Men's Shop. And they probably had about 10 different stores throughout central Ohio. Uh, and it was a fairly traditional men's shop. I mean, they had men's wear. They had, uh, they had the sports wear as well as the suits. Um, and they were in downtown Lancaster, which I always loved. I mean, that, that was kind of where I got my start. I had uh, worked for some uh, uh, larger chains in Columbus after I, I graduated. I graduated from OU with a textiles and clothing degree, and I had worked for uh, uh, the county seat, which was kind of more of a, a jean company. They, they did a lot of younger men and younger ladies uh, uh, sportswear. I worked for a uh, manufacturer called New Look Fashions, uh, which they, that was my first introduction into people that were importing suits into the U.S., and and selling them. They were kind of a, a poly house, so they were kind of the low end. Um, and it was a lot of phone sales. That, that did not agree with me. I, I'm not a cubicle kind of guy. I like to be out meeting people. Uh, and then I pretty much, well, I, I was at the Gentry Shop, which is a Cincinnati-based men's store for a little while before I, I started working here. So, or we, we started this business. Gotcha. So it sounds like you've always been interested in men's clothing. You know, it, it kind of, uh, uh, probably about mid-college, when I started my, uh, in college, I, I signed up to be an electrical engineer, which I'm obviously not an electrical engineer. Uh, I did like the math and science aspect of it, but uh, um, I don't think engineering was going to probably be a, a good pathway for me. I went into communications for a little bit, and then when I was... Uh, went down to Athens, I had switched to textiles and clothing. Um, and it sort of agreed with me because our, they had a couple new professors there. And one of them was much more interested in the math and science. I mean, they were just kind of getting it where they wanted all the students to take a year of chemistry where before most of them were taking astronomy or whatever the, the I don't want to call them a blow off class, but you know, whatever the easiest course to get your science credit was, um, you know, they were a lot more about the, uh, uh, the manufacturing of, of not only fibers, materials, products, you know, I, it's kind of funny to me now that that was the first time anybody had even mentioned like a CAD CAM program. We started looking into that, which is so basic now, you know, that everybody does that. But back then we were like, oh my gosh, how, how do you fold the fabric with the, with the computer kind of deal? So, uh, so it, it really held my interest having some professors that were more math and science based, uh, 
I would like to say that the artistic side was, was a big plus for me, but it wasn't. That was always it. There were so many people in there that could draw well and design and create, and that just was not me. They just That was very humbling to see people with those skill sets and realize that I was still drawing stick figures most of the time. To, <laughs> But, you know, pattern making and, and some of the other resource, or, uh, programs that we took that, that required a little bit more science-based, I, I really enjoyed those. Can't say I've used them in several years, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I remember because you had to do your own design for pattern making. Yeah. And I thought it was so funny because I designed a coat and it was almost exactly like a half year later. I was watching, I think it was Aliens 3, which I don't know why, but uh, Paul Reiser played the heavy in that in that movie. And the coat that he was wearing was almost exactly the design that I, I had made for my pattern making class. So I'm looking at it going, I think I've made that coat before, <laughs> but... I know it wasn't, and I know some great designer probably did that, but well, probably no great designer worked on Aliens 3. I mean, I don't think Edith Head was nipping at the bit to be a part of the Aliens 3 payroll, so. Just as a side note, Bob Ringwood was the costume director, uh, and he's known for the bat suit for the 1989 version of Batman. But the coat Mr. Brady was referring to, worn by Paul Reiser, he played the Doctor Scientist in Stranger Things, uh, is a super cool gray suit jacket with a, like a regular lapel, but with a kind of turned up collar. You know what? Just being in business in general, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess the tuxedo business is really all I I know, so, but I'm assuming most of the things I've learned would generate into anybody that was going to have a small business. I mean, you know, learning to, uh, to keep your ears open. I mean, it, it's, to me, I've always thought the most important thing was being able to you know, listen to the customer, listen to the other people you're working with, listen to the people you're buying from or wholesaling from, and then kind of incorporating all of that information into having a business plan. You know, I'm not saying that it's it's pertinent to try to keep all of those people happy, but I think my listening skills have become much better being in business, trying to help people, try, trying to coordinate the efforts of, of running a business. One of my favorite things looking up about you and Opie Gallo uh, was that, or the reviews for Opie Gallo, um, you have five stars. I had no idea. Yeah. I don't know. You have really glowing reviews on there. I'm, I'm not a very technologically sound person. I can, <laughs> I can guarantee you that. So. And so when I worked here, and even when I was here a couple days ago, uh, it was really cool watching you work with customers, because um, I think you just have a natural ability just to kind of talk and make people comfortable, especially in, when they're trying on suits, which may not be so comfortable a thing. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's not something that very many people are around. I mean, obviously, there's not a suit store on every corner because a lot of guys don't wear them. Usually when you're going to wear them, it's going to be for a special event. But uh, so you, I don't necessarily know that I'm trying to make them comfortable. I, I guess I just, once again, I try to listen to what they need, what what's going to help them. Uh, we try not to be very pretentious. I mean, I mean, I guess understanding the community you're in is is half of the battle. I mean, like I said, most people come in here and they're not looking for, you know, a $2,000 suit or whatever. They need a suit to get them through a particular um, event or whatever. But uh, I, I've always just really liked people. I mean, I just, I keep telling my wife that if, if I ever retire, a bartender is probably what I'm going to need to be because I'll need to go someplace and talk talk to people I just I really enjoy that aspect of of this business and it and it is nice to see somebody that comes in 
maybe a little apprehensive, maybe a little reserved, kind of open up and start, I don't know if you want to say enjoying the experience, but, you know, that, that they, once you put them in some stuff, you explain some things to them, and, and part of it is trying to educate them, uh, that they feel comfortable with it, that they see themselves in something and think, oh my gosh, I, I really look nice. I was not expecting, you know, this result. So I really love this job. I, to me, it doesn't even really seem like work a lot of days that you come in. Uh, but I don't know that I would ever find anybody that else that would want to do this. I always say it has to be like Willy Wonka. I want, I'm going to put golden tickets out there and I'm going to hire some little kid. I think there's child labor laws to prohibit that. But, you know, <laughs> Just finding uh, people that are interested in either doing this kind of work or uh, even being self-employed in a retail sort of situation is hard. I mean, retail has just changed so much since 1991. I mean, I, I don't know if I started this business today, if it would have the same end result as it has, you know, in the last 20-some years for me, so... A lot of people know Mr. Brady as a community man, but does Opie Gallo have any community collaborations? You know what, we we deal a lot with uh, uh, kind of the special interest. So I, so I deal a lot with the schools and other uh, choirs, bands, things of that nature. Um, and, and, you know, we really try to be very price conscious especially for the groups. I mean, you know, you always give them a group rate anyways, but I'm a big fan of live entertainment. So anybody that, you know, is willing to go listen to live music, go to live theater and do all that kind of stuff, especially in our local community, you know, I've been fortunate to be doing this a long time. And if I can kind of give them more of a break to help them along so that they could financially continue to do what they're doing, I'd love to do that. So... Um, going back to your family, um, one of my first memories of you, uh, <laughs> I was like, might've been seven. Um, I was coming or I was waiting for mom to pick me up and I saw you with all of your family walking everyone home. Um, and I mean, besides being known for selling suits, everyone also knows you as the real life Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> we are one child shy <laughs> oh, really? and, one, and one housekeeper shy. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah tell me about your family um you know i i married a woman that um i had met at a local business we actually were in high school together we did not know each other in high school uh but we had met working at the lancaster cinema which is uh, was down by where tiki lane is i think it's the store that the dollar general was in back then it was the only movie theater in town well shouldn't say that the lyric might have still been open for a little while downtown uh and we kind of dated all through college. Uh, I was already at OUL when we met. And then uh, she was just graduating and going up to OSU. So we dated through school. We got married in 89. Our first child we had in 92, which is my son, Matthew. Another son that we had in 94. He was actually born on my birthday, which is, no, it's, it's our family tradition. I was born on my sister's birthday one year after her. He was born on my birthday, my 30th birthday, which he's the only one I could probably really keep track of his actual, how old he is then. I have a daughter that was born in, she's our only one on an odd number. So she was born in 95. I've got another son who was born in 98. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be a stay-at-home dad. Uh, like I said, my wife taught and, and we kind of always just sort of um, 
planned accordingly. You know, I was there during the day. I could still work at night when she got home. But I, I had a great time being a stay-at-home dad. It's probably be the best decision I've ever made. I, I had more fun in those years than I could ever tell anybody. I think what's so fun about you is that you know everyone, older, younger, even kids know who you are. Being so close to St. Mary's, we always had kids coming through. I mean, oh, okay. we were a nice stopover for several families uh, that, you know, if, if they were delayed a half hour, hour from when school was released to picking mm. up their kids, they just, it was a known thing that they could walk over to our house. There are several times I would I would walk back with my kids and I would see some other kid that I didn't know was coming to our house standing on our back porch eating a brownie he had found on our counter or something. It's sort of like, hey, you, you here for a while? So... You know, it just, it was, it was, it was kind of a given, I guess, for, for a lot of them. A few of them were not supposed to be there. I, I had a couple parents chase their kids down and say, you're, you're not supposed to be here today. So, like, yeah, but it's fun to be here. So. Okay. So you're a dad, you run a talk shop and you're also a coach, right? I coached for about 17 years. So I think I coached most of the sports. Um, and I really liked it when they were young. I, 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 I did not know anything about soccer, and I'm still very limited on my knowledge of soccer, but, like, coaching the U6, U8 soccer was a blast. You know, that just kids of that age crack me up. I, I just really enjoy them. I know the first time that I had coached, like, head coached a team, it was uh, uh, one of Taylor's soccer's team, and, and we had not signed up to coach, but the parents who did sign up to coach, their boy had signed up to play soccer and baseball that season, and decided he wanted to just play baseball, and they had asked if we would, and I don't think I ever did not coach after that. I mean, it it was just a blast. I, I love kids in general, and just to have that time with them. I Actually, it was kind of probably selfish for me. I probably got a lot more out of it than they did, so I've always enjoyed sports. I still like to go and play in the old man's game at the, at the Y and play basketball, and I, I still like the competitive aspect. So I guess my thing is if, if – it's still fun to you, you should be playing sports. I mean, I, there becomes a certain understanding. I mean, you don't, I coached a lot in the younger ages where everybody plays. And then I coached a lot in middle school where it becomes playing time is not equal. You, you know, much like life will teach you, you're going to kind of get what you put into it. And, and, you know, not everybody's on equal footing. Uh, but even at that, you know, I, I just wanted all of the kids to, to enjoy. I wanted them to learn. There's many wonderful things that you could take out of sports and put into other aspects of your life as far as, you know, um, getting along, accomplishing more with with a group than you can by yourself, you know, being able to see somebody else accomplish something. You know, you always want the kids to grab that aspect and, and sort of be happy for them. I, I think there's a lot to life about being happy, and, and you could live with a lot less things than you probably have. You know, if, if your whole thing is, I'm going to go work, have a crappy job that I hate for 40 to 60 hours a week so that I can have a bigger TV, I, I just don't understand that mentality. I would, I'd much rather have no TV and have a great job for 40 to 60 hours a week, so... Thank you so much for listening to Oisms, and a big thank you to Seawolf for letting me use their song, Middle Distance Runner.
not talk about next summer Cause I'll only 